Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you guys. Thanks for being here. Week two of the cross, the invitation to the way of Jesus. Now, this morning, I want to kick off with a kind of an interesting story. I want to talk to you about the musical artist Madonna. I bet you've heard of her. Um, she is uh, named as the number one solo artist in U.S. history according to the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, okay? So, which means she's had more songs that spent more time on the top 100 most popular songs than anybody else. The only group that has had more are the Beatles, all right? Now, I'm sure we could argue Taylor Swift probably made more money than her, but... Uh, <laughs> It's a whole different sermon. All right, anyway. Uh, but anyway, Madonna, I tell you that to say, kind of set up, she's been at the top of her industry for a long time. Anybody that's been at the top of their industry for as long as she has, you know, people tend to take notice. And so keep that in mind as I share with you an interview that she did a few years back with Vogue magazine where she was just brutally honest about an internal struggle that she's had her entire career. Here's what she said. She said, I have an iron will, and all my life has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, and then I get to another stage and think I am mediocre and uninteresting. She goes on. She says, and what I find... Um, and I find a way to get myself out of that again and again. My drive in life is from this horrible feel, feeling of being mediocre, and that's pushing me, always pushing me, because even though I've been, become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Well, today, Madonna's 65 years old, and she's still struggling with this. Now, I tell you that to say, I believe that many people, this feeling of inadequacy, this feeling of not enough, I think that many, many people, including many of us that are listening today online, in person here, you struggle with this. You feel this, don't you? You feel this almost every day, and there seems to be no way out. Our culture, our world, the kingdom of this world does not offer any good solution. If there were good solutions, people who had means and money and resources like Madonna, they'd figured it out by now, but they're not figuring it out. Everybody seems to be struggling with this, that many of us can relate to that feeling of never-enoughness. You ever feel like that? that you never have enough, you never achieve enough, you never kind of feel like you are in and of yourself enough. It's always, there's a striving, striving, that constant pressure to try to win in the court of public opinion. What do people think? What do people think? Or in the court of your own internal critics, right? Some of us carry around constant criticism going on in our mind, and those voices that you hear in your mind doesn't mean you're crazy. It means you're human, and those voices sometimes mimic or they um, reflect voices of people that you know. We all have a court, in other words. Who's in yours? Like, who's in your court? Who's in your head? 
Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your mom's voice or your dad's voice. Maybe it's your in-laws. Maybe it's an older brother or an older sister. Maybe it is um, a colleague. Maybe it's somebody you graduated with or somebody that you tend to compare your life, your career path, like how am I doing? They're kind of my measuring stick and their opinion matters to you more than maybe you would be willing to admit. And what they do and what they achieve and what they approve of, you tend to like, okay, I'm gonna go along with that. And there's this internal fear with this comparison to take your foot off the accelerator of life. Because if you take your foot off the accelerator, you're gonna get, you're gonna fall behind, aren't you? You're gonna fall behind. You're going to fall behind of what? Fall behind, you know, the competition with all the other people that don't know I'm even competing with them, okay? And that's how it tends to go. We tend to compare, compete. There's this constant pressure to try to win and do more and be more and all this kind of stuff. To what end? This is why, one of the big reasons why we're talking about the cross, because the cross, going all the way back to Jesus, was something that he redefined. It's different than it is today. Today, the symbol of the cross tends to represent, especially to modern day Christian people, for many people, it just represents a way of believing. The cross kind of just says, well, this kind of a symbol of what I believe, but that is really different than what Jesus did with it in the first century. In the first century, Jesus took the cross and he redefined it, not as just a way of believing, but a way of living. Radical, new, completely different way of seeing God and your neighbor and your career and your future and how you spend your time and your money and your energy and your education. Everything. It, it informs all of life, every part of life. And, and so Jesus comes along by using the cross and he gives us an alternative way to live. Now let me just say this. Though it is an alternative way to live, it is not intuitive way to live. In other words, you don't pop out of the womb knowing how to live your life surrendered to the cross. It is something you've got to grow into. As a matter of fact, when we pop out of the womb, we're fully conditioned to live according to this world and according to its priorities and its uh, rules and how to play the game and how to win the game and all those things. We're going to kind of unpack that today and talk about that a little bit. Because the author of about half of the New Testament, inspired by the Spirit of God, the Apostle Paul, he started writing about this idea of the message of the cross and its, its symbol and what does it represent and what does it mean. And he, he was very clear about this. He says, now the message of the cross is going to seem like craziness. It's going to seem like foolishness, especially to those on the outside looking in. Okay, and here's where he talks about this. It's over in the first letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth, this major city in the, in the province of Rome. Um, he, and people were very much struggling with, with what we struggle with today. They're trying to let go of this current kingdom system of how to measure, how am I doing, how to measure a life, how to know if I'm doing all right, am I achieving, am I a winner, am I a loser in life? And they were struggling with all this, and he's trying to help clarify some things, that now as your follower of Jesus, let me help bring some clarity. So chapter 1, uh, verse 18 of 1 Corinthians, Paul starts off like this, and if you would, let's read these highlighted words together. He says, for the message of the cross, okay, and he's implying there's a message. 
There is something to know. The cross stands for it, represents something very powerful and important, especially if you're a follower of Christ. For the message of the cross is foolishness. It, is, it seems backwards. It seems like weakness. It contradicts the culture and the kingdom of this world. It is going to make you, if you're going to follow the message of the cross, in other words, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. You're going you're to look different. There's going to be a stark contrast between your life and all or many of the people around you. And so he says that this message of the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness to whom? Let's keep reading. Foolishness to those who are perishing. This Greek word perishing literally means to fade away. It is those who are fully bought into a system, into the kingdom of this world, and they live in such a way that they believe, and they may never articulate it this way, but they believe this world is all there is. And you can tell it by the value system they live by because the, thing, the choices that they make, the things that they buy, the things that they own, the, thing, the way that they spend their time and money, it's like this stuff, these things, this accomplishment, what's going on on this planet is all I really ever need to think about. This is it. This is the end all be all, right? And he's saying this is the way, to those people who bought into that system, they're clinging to a fading system. It's going away. And, 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 and if, you, if you press them, they would probably admit it, but they don't want to admit it, that so is what else is fading away is their reputation ultimately will fade away. Their status, their health, their youth, their beauty. Oh, that's painful. It's fading away. Eventually, it will no longer be. It's inevitable. You can't hang on to that forever, he's saying. This is a dying kingdom, and people who have bought into a dying kingdom, this way of the cross is going to seem like foolishness. It's going to seem idiotic to them, right? In other words, the cross represents everything that those who are perishing strive against. Their greatest fears are fading away, to be falling behind and being irrelevant in this life. Paul's point is striving to reclaim and maintain what ultimately cannot be reclaimed and maintained. That actually is what is foolish. That is a foolish way to live. Trying to act like what you can't hold on to anyway is all that there is. And many people choose to live in this foolish way. Let's go back to Paul, verse 18. Here's what he says. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. Right. That there is a one-time decision where you come to faith in Christ, you ask him to forgive sin, he becomes the Lord of your life. But it's just the beginning, right? That's the beginning of a relationship. The way of Jesus, the way of the cross, that it is now the beginning of a sanctifying, which is just a big theological word meaning that God's going to make you like him. He's going to make you holy. He's going to help you to grow. This is just the beginning. It's the first step of a journey and an adventure, an exciting walk, as we'll say, and referencing back to New Testament passage, a walk with God that those who choose to embrace the way of Jesus, the cross, the way of the cross, the way of others first, putting other people first, this 
to us who are being saved, and here he goes on to say this. He says, it is the power of God. Let's say that together. For those who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's right. God's power begins to pulsate, to operate, to take over in us as we choose to accept and to follow the invitation of Jesus, the invitation of the cross, which simply says, we're gonna put you first, Lord. And we're gonna put, by putting you first and saying, we really are gonna take seriously our love for you, God, by how we love other people. We're gonna love others as we love ourselves, and this is how we show our love to you. And we're gonna stop, as Solomon would say, chasing after the wind. Now, let me say a sec, uh, just a moment about Solomon. Solomon was the son of King David, the Old Testament. Wealthiest man, arguably by many historians, the wealthiest man who ever lived. If he was alive today in his wealth back then, he would be worth trillions and trillions of dollars many times over. Incredibly wealthy, incredibly endowed with divine wisdom, and he made some astute observations about what he saw what he would say under the sun. Everything on this earth, right? From about nine different times, he made a powerful kind of sobering observation. Let's look at one of them. Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse 14. Solomon says this. He says, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. Let's say this together. A chasing after the wind. A chasing after the wind. In other words, Solomon is saying, if you take God out of the equation of what happens here on this earth, you take God's divine wisdom, his divine purpose, like you're no longer living for his purpose or according to his wisdom, and you're really kind of acting like he's really not a part of it at all. He says, if I can be brutally honest, things become meaningless really fast. Life is no more than a series of repetitive cycles, seemingly endless and pointless. It's just a bunch of people doing the same junk over and over and over for what end? You're doing the same things your mom and daddy did, and they're doing the same things your grandparents did, and they're just doing all this stuff, and they're trying to accumulate stuff and have stuff and accomplish things and do stuff and have experiences. And To what end? He's like, it's pointless, it's meaningless if you take God out of the equation. In other words, the cross is an invitation to stop chasing the wind, to stop chasing what can't be caught. He picked this illustration on purpose, chasing after the wind, like when do you ever catch the wind, right? I don't care how fast you chase. There's no catching the wind. You can't stop it and redirect it. That's not how it works, right? You, you, you won't ever, ever, it's pointless. And he's saying, and people live like this all the time. And he's, he's encouraging the people of God Observe and stop this behavior in your life. Choose a different value system. Choose a different kingdom with a different king. I'm telling you, you want to hang on to something that cannot be taken away from you. Jesus, to Jesus, he's showing us that this way of the cross, this, ladies and gentlemen, this is how we are transformed into the image of God. This following the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. This is how we participate in the kingdom of God, and it is how we demonstrate and experience the power of God in us. 
He's trying to make it as simple as possible. It's not always simple. The decisions are going to be hard sometimes because they're going to make you stand up. You're going to be different than the rest of the world. They're going to be different. Let's go back to verse 18 together and let's look at it all together. For the message of the cross is what? It's foolishness, right? To those who are perishing, those who are fading away. They're a part of a system that is fading away. Don't act like and live like you're a part of that system. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God as we hold on to the message of the cross. And we say, that is not just a symbol of my salvation. It is the symbol of how I live every hour of every day. It's how I live as a husband and a, or a wife. It's how I'm a son or a daughter. It is how I treat my parents. It's how I treat my coworkers. It's how I treat people in the, in the community. It's how I treat everybody. Even people who vote different than me and act different than me and chosen lifestyles that absolutely disgust me sometimes, I'm going to still choose to love them as Jesus chose to love me. That's a huge, it's a huge decision. And it makes all the difference. It changes the world. It changed the first century. It's the kind of thing that will cause people to stop and stare and say, how could he make that kind of decision? How could he forgive them? How could he do that? How could she respond that way? How could she be so different than every other woman I know? How could they be like, wow, what is it about them that's so different? Because this is what will get the attention of the world. It's what got the attention of the first century world and turned it upside down. It was because the followers of Jesus Christ took this stuff seriously. And they said, we're not going to, this isn't something we're going to all nod to and say amen on Sunday, but we're going to do it Monday through Sunday. We're going to do it every single day of the week. And we're going we're gonna to really take this seriously. We're going to really put this into practice, the way of the cross, it was repeated in their daily decisions. They took this command of Jesus over in Luke's gospel, the biography that Luke wrote about the life of Jesus. In chapter 9, verse 23, he records this part of Jesus' challenge. There's, there's quite a few people that are following Jesus at this point. He's like, and they want to be a part of his kingdom. So he wants to help them out. I want to, sh- I want to make it real clear for you. For whoever wants to be my disciple my apprentice to come and learn from me and do as I do and come and get to know me if you really if that's if you're serious about that and you're not just wanting to be Christian in name only you actually want to follow me they must let's say it together they must deny themselves there is a self-denial part of this Jesus is trying to save us from something becoming slaves to our desires what, what, what happens to your kids or your grandkids if you literally give them everything they want? <laughs> They're no good anymore, are they? We've spoiled them. Um, yeah, they will become a slave ultimately to an addiction that says I should have whatever I want. It will become a, a way of living that no longer, it started off feeling like, oh, this is freedom. Like, if I could do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, with whoever I want, that feels like, wow, that's like the American dream. And Jesus is saying that is the quickest way to put yourself in a prison cell. You will become a slave, and it will drive you into the ground, and it will make you its absolute 
servant. You will obey its every whim, whatever it tells you. You will give everything. You'll sell everything. You'll do whatever it takes. And if you don't believe me, just look at somebody who cannot get rid of an addiction. That's what, it's in slavery. And he's saying, listen, I want to help you to be truly free. And the only way to be free, Jesus says, and elsewhere, he says, is only the person who's willing to lay their life down and die to self is the only one who really discovers who they are. That's how you become really free. You learn how to live a life of service, of giving yourself away. Look at the way Jesus lived. Every miracle he performed, none of them were for him. They were for everybody else. It was a blessing to them, but it blessed him. So deny yourselves, take up their cross. This was before Jesus went to the cross. He's using a symbol that everybody was familiar with, right? It was a, it was a Roman execution. The Romans didn't invent the cross or crucifixion, but they perfected it. They were really good at killing people. That was, that was very clear about their culture. And they would scare people to death. If you say no or you deny Rome, this is going to happen to you. You'll be strung up like this. And they would have big public executions, uh, uh, crucifixions all the time. Everybody knew what they were. Everybody was familiar. They knew what it looked like, smelt like, horrible, horrific, awful, the worst way to die. And Jesus is saying, you got to take up your cross. There's a, there's a dying process that's going on. And how often should we pick up our cross? Daily. This isn't a one-time event. It's not once a week. It's not just at church. It's not just once a month. It's not just on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> It is something that he expected us to do every day, daily, and follow me, right? This is the way of freedom to following Jesus. In other words, Jesus never intended the cross to represent a one-and-done salvation decision, never, right? But rather, an adoption of a new way of life, brand new, in this new way of life is where sacrifice is winning. In a, in a culture, in a time of history, when sacrifice looked like weakness, it looked like ludicrous, absolute backwards, why in the world would a crazy person do that? Like that's the only way you would choose to do that. And Jesus is saying, no, this is the only way to freedom. This is the only way to truly live in the kingdom. And that's when we experience the power of God. We get to participate in the kingdom of God and we get transformed into the image of God when we choose his way of life. It's so powerful. But I understand, when I start laying this out for a lot of people, they're like, well, that's great for like Jesus freak, fanatical, you know, followers, religious types, like that's cool, but I'm just here for church. You know, I just told somebody I'd come and I'm checking a box, so that's, Really all I'm interested in. I hope that's not you. But a lot of people fall in that category that call themselves evangelical Christians today in our country. They don't really intend to live it. It's really not a priority to them. And so what happens is they go out and they don't live according to these value systems. They just do what everybody else does. And guess what? People look at them and they scratch their chin a little bit and say, um... I think I got this thing, this Christianity thing figured out. Christianity is just a religious cover for a group of people who want things their way. Just like every other ideology of our day. Every other political movement of our day. It's just another one. There's no real difference. You know why? Because there's no real 
There's no power. They, they, they stand back and say, well, the church, you know, they're just using the same strategies and tactics the rest of the world use. Fight fire with fire, right? And you, you know, they bow up, you bow up. Like, we're going to do. We're going to just do the same thing everybody else does. And the moment that the people of God choose to live like that, we're going to post the same ugly garbage online. We're going to put the same hateful rhetoric. We're going to do the same stuff everybody else does. We lose. We lose. There's no power in that. There's no power of God in that. It's the very thing, as we looked at last week, it's the very thing that Jesus said no to in his third temptation from the devil. It's the reason he walked away. He says, I'm not going to chase the wind. I'm not going to play according to these rules. It's not about me building my own personal, fleshly, desiring kingdom. That is not it. And you shouldn't either. Don't do it. We lose. And do you know what we lose first? We lose the next generation who hasn't chosen to follow Jesus yet. Because they're looking at you and me, and they're saying, are you going to take this serious? Are you really going to live? Does this really make a difference? Or is this just kind of a religious game? It's just a, it's just a label we, we throw out there where we can feel a little self-righteous and like we got the answers, but we don't really live according to it. Let's, let's not do that. Many times we fail to see the power of God because we use the wrong tactics. Going back to the letter of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, now we're going to skip to verse 20 here. And Paul says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Point to me to the TED Talk or the smartest, wisest person out there who can help me solve the problem that this world, this system, this chasing after the wind, it doesn't work. Show me somebody who's fixed it, who's, who's figured it out, who's, who's learned the trick to really get out of life what God intended without God, Right? He goes on to say, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Like Paul saying, come on, haven't we seen enough? This is in the first century. Haven't we seen enough to, to ascertain that the predominant voices and messaging of our society and our culture the way that they're telling us to live is not the way. It is not the solution. It doesn't work. Haven't we attended enough funerals? Haven't we had enough of those moments where we're right there at the very end of life with people to recognize what actually matters? Because let's be honest, at funerals, there's no place to hide. The way of Jesus, whether they say it that way or not, that's what gets celebrated. Think about it for a minute. What do we celebrate at funerals? Do we celebrate winning or serving? <laughs> Think about it. Who, who gets up there and say, oh man, let me tell you how this guy dominated everybody, including us. He made us all feel like fools because he was such a winner. Nobody talks about that. Nobody cares about that. Do we celebrate achievement 
or character. Let me talk about the, the, the person's integrity. Let me talk about their generosity. Do, do we celebrate what they clung to, what they wouldn't give up for anything, what they collected, what they protected, what they, what, what they seemed to worship, or what they gave away? Man, you, you can't hide from the way of the cross. It just oozes out. We already know. Intuitively, we know this is the better way to live. Do we celebrate self-image or how they helped other people? Right? I mean, it's just, it's a no-brainer. In the end, we know what matters. In the end, we go, Jesus is right. That's how we should have lived every single day. We celebrate selflessness even in one of the most materialistic cultures that has ever existed in the history of the world we still know we still know we're we're smart enough to figure this out Jesus and and Paul are just simply trying to connect the dots to say don't waste your life because so many people do they're doing they're, they're wasting it on a value system and a kingdom that is fading away it is going away and rapidly by I might add so don't put all your eggs in that basket We have a great clarity in those moments. The value of a life, this is where we we come to this place that we get the value of a life is always measured by how much of it was given away, including Jesus. We wouldn't be here if he hadn't been willing to give everything away. The way of the cross isn't foolishness. The way of the cross is the wisest, most perceptive, piercingly accurate way for the human condition to be lived out on planet earth that has ever been articulated by anyone of all time period and until we come to that conclusion about Jesus and what he taught I don't know we'll ever take what he said very seriously we've got to come to that place because if we're not convinced of this that we will be easily baited and lured away from the way of Jesus and the way of the cross. Why? Because even though we know better, it's scary and it's hard to do better because nobody around us wants to do better. Everybody else is chasing after the wind. And if we can be really honest, for many Christians, we're chasing after the wind right with them. The only difference is occasionally we pray and we wear crosses. But it's time, ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you a question. Do you want to experience the power of God in your life? You really want to experience the power of God? It comes by sacrifice. Jesus won everything for you and I through sacrifice. And he says, as I, this is in John 13, 34, 35, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is a command. And by this, all people will know you are my disciples, my apprentices, my followers, my people, part of my family. They will know if you love one another. Still so important. So here's the question. What could choosing to sacrifice look like in your current situation? What would it look like for you to choose to sacrifice among your roommates, if you if have roommates, or with your spouse if you're married? What would it look like? What would it look like to uh, serve the other person at work? What would it look like to choose to sacrifice for your boss or for your employees if you are the boss? 
What would it look like to choose to sacrifice, in other words, to help other people win around you? To, to sacrifice as Jesus would sacrifice if he were you in your situation. What would that look like? Following the Spirit of God, obeying the leadership of Jesus in your life comes down to that. It's literally saying, okay, Jesus, every day I wake up and I say, it's, it's you and me. I'm not doing this solo. I'm doing whatever today brings. I'm doing it with you. And I want to ask you to, you know, give me the wisdom, give me the strength, give me the power of God to do it as I follow your leadership, Jesus, the way of the cross. What would you do if you were me? If God prompts your heart, well, Jesus would do this, then that's what you should do if you are a disciple of Jesus. This is how we, it's, it's not that complicated, it's just not many people are willing to do that. <laughs> it's, that's how it works. That's how we follow the Spirit of God. What would it look like to serve other people? And, and here's the thing, sacrificing demonstrates the power of God through you like nothing else in this world. It's powerful. So, the question is, are you willing to do that? Am I willing to do that? Can we, do, can we commit together? In the first century, it was this decision to follow Jesus, this radically, that changed the entire world. It turned the entire culture upside down. And I believe God could do it once again. We live in a day where we have the next generation. They're asking, is this real? Is this, is this faith real? And when what they see and what they witness is not real, then they begin to leave the church by the millions, Gen Z and millennials, and that is exactly, sociologically speaking, what we're seeing happen in our country right now. That can change with us. We decide, no more playing games. This is not a Sunday-only kind of faith. I'm gonna live this every day. I'm gonna pick up my cross daily. I'm not going to get it right all the time. I'm not going to get this perfect. I don't get it perfect all the time. We're just, but we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to like really choose to do this. I want to ask you today if you would take seriously this prayer right here. Simply saying, Jesus, I choose to sacrifice for those around me as you did for us all. Right? I surrender myself to the way of the cross. It's a big ask. It's a big commitment but it makes all the difference in the world. If you would, let's bow together in prayer right now. And in this prayer, I'm gonna ask you to make this commitment between you and the Lord. And for some of you, choosing to follow Jesus for the very first time is gonna be your big decision. Jesus, we come before you right now, and I pray for every person who can hear my voice online, here in person, in the balcony, the floor, from wall to wall. God, I pray for every single one of us there is some area of our life right now where you're saying, come on, I want you to follow the way of the cross with this person in this situation. I want you to forgive. I want you to love. I want you to sacrifice. I want you to do for them what I would do for them if I were you. And thank you, Jesus, ahead of time that if we're willing to say yes, you already have promised you will give us the power of God to execute this, to actually pull it off. We can't do it in our own power. We can only do it in your power. All across the room right now, if you would be willing to just say, this scares me. I don't know 
all of what this is even going to mean yet, but I'm willing to say yes to Jesus. I will follow the way of the cross. Yes, Jesus, I will act sacrificially. I'm making a fresh commitment to act sacrificially towards those around me. If you would make that commitment with me right now, would you just lift your hand? I'd love to pray for you all over the room. God bless you. Hands all over the floor and the balcony. God bless you guys. Father, thank you so much, Lord, right now for those who are saying yes. It's scary. It's going to stretch me. It's going to stretch my faith. It's going to pull me out of my comfort zone. But yes, I'll do it. I'm willing to follow you into the unknown. That's where faith grows. That's where we become more like you. That's where we live in the kingdom of God and we see the power of God demonstrated within us and around us. We give you our yes right now, Jesus. You may lower your hands. And Father, right now, I pray for every person that can hear my voice online, here in person. You know God is prompting your heart. He is, he is nudging you right now to say yes to him. You have been on that marginal edge, on the outside looking in for a long time. Maybe even been in and out of church and Bible studies, religious gatherings of all kinds. But it's, you've never formally said, okay, this is it. I'm following Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm nailing down the stake right here. Today's the day. Now is the time. I'm committing. I want to be a child of God. I want to be included in his kingdom. I want to see the power of God move and demonstrate in my life. I want to know him, love him. That's the desire of your heart. Would you pray right where you sit? Just say, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life right now to forgive all my sin. I'm trusting that when you died on the cross and resurrected from the dead, that was to forgive sin. That was to forgive my sin if I'll accept it, if I'll receive it, and I receive it right now. Please forgive my sin and be the king of my kingdom, the leader of my life, the Lord of all things of me. I give you every part of me. If you just ask him to forgive your sin and you've surrendered all of yourself to him, would you just as an act of faith, first, first step of faith as a follower of Jesus, would you just lift your hand as an act of obedience? I'd love to pray for you right now. Just shoot your hand up confidently right now. God bless you right back here, right back over here. Anybody else? God bless you, ma'am. I see you right there. Praise God for your decision today. God bless you, ma'am, right here. Anybody else? Give him my heart over to Jesus. I see the two of you right over here by the exit. God bless you in the balcony. Anybody up there? Give in their heart right to see you right there awesome sweetie thank you so much for being so bold father thank you so much for what you're doing in this place today thank you for the life change that happens purely because of you this is your power on display and nothing else we thank you for it thank you that you still are at work you are still just as present today as the day you spoke these things and i pray god we go from this place today changed, challenged, different, and living out the cross in every aspect and area of our life. Praise you, Jesus. And for all who made decisions for Jesus today, would you go by our Welcome Center? We'd love to celebrate with you. we got a gift for you, how to take the next step in your faith. And I pray you would just continue with us on this journey of following Jesus in the way of the cross. We pray it all in the incredible name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. You guys have a great week. We'll see you back next Sunday. Once again, thanks for listening. 
If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.